As restaurants adjust to rising food prices and lack of workers, we speak to an industry veteran about the pandemic and the economy and how they've shaped the restaurant industry and how he and his restaurant empire are responding. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. So Nathan, yes, sir. I have to admit, despite Uh-oh. rising prices, it's been a hot, <laughs> wet summer that we didn't want to cook. So we have been supporting our local restaurants Good. quite a bit. Good. But, you know, um, and we've had some great experiences, but, you know, every once in a while, and it doesn't even have to be what's going on um, from the restaurant, but what spoils your dinner oh. when you go out? Because oh. there's so many ways that things can go wrong. I am like, I am... My wife sometimes doesn't like to go out to eat with me because I am very picky because I, you know, I've been in hospitality (laughs) and I've been around restaurants and I just, I, I have a particular way that I believe things should go. Right. And Uh because eating out is an experience. Right. Um, and I get like, uh, I'm the guy that like finds the the manager afterwards and is like, Hey, come here. Like what, what, what happened here? And (laughs) Like everybody's lovely. However, she's, she's got the king. She's trying to pull you out. She's going out the door and I was like, wait, let me just find, and I'm nice about it, but I'm just like, this is supposed to be an experience. Right. Or, you know, if, if you can right away sort of tell if someone is really new to it or if they're really experienced, I love to tell people that they've done an amazing job when they're serving us. And, um, because, they need to know that. And, and you, it's and a tough job, especially is. nowadays. Well, yeah, geez. But I mean, it, it, there is a lot. I mean, I, you have a lot of restaurants, even longtime ones I've noticed that are struggling in different ways because of what's going on. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I totally get what they're going through. Oh, absolutely. You know, but I mean, there's times that I have gone to go to a restaurant for lunch and to find a sign on the door. That it's closed. People didn't show up. I'm really yeah, sorry. Right. We're closed. You're right. like, oh, you know, it breaks your heart for them, but not only for them, but for yourself. Because I was like, I was looking forward to that sandwich. Yeah. Um, you know, and even things like, uh, you know, they're experimenting with menus. We went to a restaurant the other day. And they they had a sign out. Please forgive us and bear with us. We have a new menu and new staff. I'm like, okay. Well, I was warned. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, even besides the normal, of like, you know, the family that lets their toddlers running around oh, like dear. it's, you know, the McDonald's playground. No, thank you. I have kids, but I expect mine to behave. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I am here to eat, not watch your child. Yeah. So I mean, there's the usual <laughs> yeah <laughs> distractions, right. the expected things, and or then perhaps. there's you know the new reality we're there, facing yes. where restaurants may be unexpectedly closed, well, yeah. or they have such turnover in staff that the tra- their training isn't where they would want it to be, right? Um, or you know, or the 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 back of the house is new and maybe the food isn't up to where it used to be, or you know, because it's not only great food, it's Consistent food. Like if you go back to a place and you love a dish, you expect to have that experience every yeah. time, right? Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we uh, have had a few experiences where like even dirt almost, well, during into the tail end of sort of the, the intensity of the pandemic um, where we went out to eat and we waited an hour and a half oh. just to get the kids chicken tenders. 
And meanwhile, they're like, you know, eating their arms off and screaming and, and oh, not the tired, well. hungry kid. And you're yeah. at that point, you're like, just throw bread at them right now. But you please. know what? It's <laughs> and what's funny, and like maybe our guest when we uh, pull him in can uh, can uh, talk maybe more about his experiences through this. But what they did was right. So this restaurant is a popular restaurant. Then they have takeout. And they added that during the pandemic. And then they added outdoor seating. And they have a kitchen the size of like a quarter. And they were trying to do all of that uh-huh. with everybody back in town and and like all of these different venues at 100%. And so they have like 300% capacity and they only can do 100 And it's just like, wait a minute. So now you've got to pivot your business model again. Right. Because And manage expectations. Right. Right. Exactly. And not have me wait an hour and a half for chicken fingers. So, especially when there's hungry two and three year olds. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. Shivers so, down my I know, spine. I, know, I remember exactly. those days. So, anyway, I handled it very well, but I was I was a little <laughs> bit critical in that experience as well, if you can imagine such things. Um, but now it's time to for someone who's really seasoned in hospitality and uh, and otherwise. Um, our guest this week is Eric Goodwin. Eric is an entrepreneur with several businesses, including Goodwin Family Management, Goodwin Recruiting, The Friendly Toast Restaurants, Noble Coffee, Noka Beverages, and Donut Love. Yum. His career began as an entrepreneurial restaurateur where he quickly learned the importance of finding the right talent. He founded Goodwin Recruiting in 1999 with a focus on prioritizing relationships and integrity. Over two decades later, Eric remains an active entrepreneur, starting Goodwin Family Management in 2021 to better accommodate his growing companies. GFM allows the accounting, human resources, and administration teams to be under one roof. Eric and the Goodwin family are also involved in numerous charitable endeavors, most notably their Goodwin Family Scholarship, which is a need-based scholarship program for undergraduate UNH students majoring in hospitality management. Eric was recognized as the 2015 New Hampshire Restaurateur of the Year, and in his free time, he enjoys time with family, boating on Lake Winnipesaukee, and playing the electric bass guitar. Eric, welcome! Uh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure, and uh, sorry about all of our, you know banter and, and complaints about the restaurant industry and um, none of that involved any of your establishments so rest not. assured <laughs> i love that your bio include what you're doing all that copious free time you have where do you find the time it's rare it's rare <laughs> you have to find the time though right you have to absolutely yeah. um so uh as we said you got a lot going on can you sort of help our listeners to understand a bit about each of these ventures that you now have maybe a little bit about their history and how you came to um to be involved with them sure awesome um there's a lot to tackle there but yeah I'm right to right we have as much time as you need and sure. we'll break it right down sure um <laughs> Really, my story um, starts with uh, being a restaurant uh, brat when I was a kid. So my dad <laughs> owned uh, his own restaurant and actually was the general manager of a restaurant called Green Ridge Turkey Farm way back in the day in South Nashua. Oh, my kind goodness. Kind of a landmark spot. Right? <laughs> Sorry, wave of nostalgia coming at me. Right. My family if, ate if there. I grew could just up in see the what happened Nashua. with Matt. Like, something Lit just up. happened right here. But anyway. So I, I know all things turkey. But anyway. Um, <laughs> So in, in order for me to spend time with my dad, I had to spend it with him in restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I, I started as a dishwasher when I was eight years old, you know, going in on the weekends with my dad at Green Ridge Turkey Farm. And then he later bought his own restaurant called Porter Steakhouse in Hookset. 
and um, I was a dishwasher there. <laughs> um, and I slowly moved my way up, uh, and I got promoted to a line cook, which I thought I had arrived, you know, ready for the Restaurant Hall of Fame then. Um, but the, the long, long and short of that story is um, my dad was one of those guys that was never home. And it's a classic hospitality story mm-hmm. in some cases. And I don't begrudge or, or judge anyone who... Um, did what they had to do, took care of the family, you know, worked really hard because it's a very challenging business. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, uh, however, how it formed me as a business person and Mm -hmm. as a a dad really, it really affected me. Uh, My dad was never around, um, never saw a basketball game, chaperoned a field trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have three sisters and and, uh, because they weren't in the restaurants with him really, uh, didn't really have that kind of relationship or connection that I had with him. So um, that really informed who I who I became as a business person, who I am as a leader today. Really, at the end of the day. Um, so as I sort of moved my way up through the ranks, I worked for the Common Man family of restaurants, who everyone's right. familiar with. Alex Ray is a good friend of mine and a nice. mentor. Um, and then I went into corporate restaurants. So I wanted to be challenged and learn a little bit more. I was lucky I was promoted to a regional director in corporate restaurants. I was kind of a young guy. Uh, In that experience, I had my first exposure to the staffing industry or the recruiting industry to help staff restaurants. Um, And I was immediately, um, immediately struck by what I felt was sort of a low level uh, service, a very lightweight, low calorie kind of experience. Um, So um, I started to think about, you know, um, my future and uh, what I thought I might be able to do well. At the time, I had two really young kids. And my really only objective and my singular motivation uh, was to be a great dad. So for me, um, I wanted to just, I wanted to chaperone every field trip, you know, be really, I wanted to take my kids to school, make their lunches, walk my daughter into school as long as she let me till that became <laughs> super uncool. Um, you know, coach every single sport and all that. And to do that, I was thinking of ways that I could transition away from hospitality and restaurant operations, which is all I ever ever knew. That was my singular skill set. Um, but my exposure to recruiters, um, you know, sort of my focus on great experiences and great relationships, I thought I could do it better. Um, and I thought um, I could kind of disrupt it a little bit. So that was my motivation to starting Good in Recruiting. So I, I walked away from, I had a, you know, a pretty good job at the time uh, for a young guy, but I knew that it wasn't for me long-term, um, just based on my simple goal of wanting to be an amazing, you know, fully, fully engaged, full-on dad, um, because of the wounds that I had when I, right. was, when I was younger. Um, so that really formed Good in Recruiting, and my business plan was really simple then. Uh, it, it, it called for me to take about a $70,000 a year pay cut. Um, <laughs> But I would have traded anything in the world to get more normalcy in my schedule um, and all that. So um, so I, what were you doing differently with Goodwin than what you had experienced in the industry? It's a great question. Without going too granular, uh, for me, I was immediately struck uh, in recruiting how it was just like a, a resume game. Like, let's get the resume fast. Let's put it in the fax machine at the time as fast as you possibly can. Get credit for it. And just a very quick you know, recruiters were doing five, 10 minute interviews, mm. telling me every candidate was the greatest candidate I'd ever seen, oversold, sort of a classic, you know, complaints. 
no one really took the time to visit me in person, um, shake my hand, look me in the eye, tour my restaurants, talk to my people, really do an in-depth dive into my business and um, what makes my business different or me different or my style. It was just you know, to me, it was a big collective waste of time for me, a lot of waste of time, but I needed them because I needed access to talent. So I set up some, you know, early on um, standards about it. And <clears throat> I tell my team this a lot, they'll be, they'll be sick of hearing this. But um, for me, I set up some cardinal rules. And for me, it was, um, I met every single one of my prospects and clients in person. Um, so it was a prerequisite for me. If, if you wanted me to represent you and, and uh, acquire talent for you and refer talent to you, I had to meet you in person. Um, and I wanted to look someone in the eye, shake their hand, and connect as hospitality people at the time. Good in recruiting now is in, you know, we're beyond hospitality. We mm -hmm. do a lot of hospitality, of course, but we do other verticals. But, you know, the, our, our DNA is around hospitality. Yeah. And to me, hospitality is a connecting kind of business. So I want to be in front of people. And that distinguished me right away from people who were calling from New York or mm -hmm. Los Angeles or Texas with a Southern accent, you know, <laughs> calling me in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, so, uh, uh, the automatic tip off. <laughs> right. So in New Hampshire, people don't like that. So no, for me, don't. that resonated. And then on the other side of the equation, meaning investing time, energy, and effort in my in-person relationships with my clients and really getting to know them and really advocating for them and knowing their business. On the other hand to that equation was the candidate side of the, of the equation. And it was the same philosophy. I never met a candidate that I placed with a client company that I hadn't met in person. And um, that was a real distinguishing uh, factor. For me, there was no way I was putting my stamp of approval on a candidate if I hadn't seen them in person. And what I mean by that is, do they have a firm handshake or a dead handshake? Do they smell like smoke? Um, how's their energy, their eye contact? Um, I'd walk them out to their car to see if the car was dirty. Just, <laughs> oh. just, just picking up any little thing yeah. that I could pick up that would yeah. make it a more intelligent referral to mm -hmm. my clients and not mm -hmm. waste their time, which right. is my whole driver. So those kind of things really resonated early. Um, I really hope you didn't look at my cards. <laughs> I, I, was, you know, I was looking for anything that a client might pick up that um, you know I could maybe coach somebody up on and all that. But it was just really more just old-fashioned hustle and, and getting out there and meeting my clients and my, my candidates in person and making that, you know, doing very thorough interviews, very detailed interviews really learning the candidate. So then I'm making matches, I think, with m better information. And also I'm establishing relationships where I wasn't just a voice over the phone to my clients. I was someone who donated to their charities, who you know, maybe golfed in their golf tournament, or I spent money in their restaurants or hotels or whatever the case may be. To me, I was looking for more of a three-dimensional relationship and not just a you know, one-dimensional resume in the fax machine kind of relationship and that mm -hmm. resonated um and that helped me grow you know ultimately to you know where we are today which and is where a, are you today what's the scope of the yeah. business yeah uh it's it's really a, uh an amazing story i'm really the most fortunate guy in the world but you know um i have an incredible team who's been with me for a long time but we are you know we operate in every state you know we have over 300 recruiters around the country um and you know, we're an award-winning organization at Goodwin Recruiting. And, and the one I'm really proud of uh, most recently was um, Glassdoor uh, awarded us the number one uh, small to medium-sized company in America to work for. Uh, not recruiting company, but 
company. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of companies out there. Wow. And uh, we were rated the highest company to work for. So we have an amazing culture, amazing set of core values, an amazing group of leaders and, and uh, recruiters out there who sort of espouse what, what I called my small is beautiful New Hampshire office, which means I could touch everyone. I could be there and I could really influence that way. So we've spread out around the country with that philosophy. We're not in a cubicle setting in a big office in New York City or Boston or something like that. My team is out engaged in the community, you know, visiting and, and, and um, in person with, with our client base and really knowing them. And that's sort of the model that I, that uh, was somewhat unique at the time. That's you know, the work yeah. from home model and yep. you know, living in your breathing and engaging in your community at the time. But for us, you know, and, and for me, our clients love it. You know, I was able to really, my business grew really fast, you know, based on this philosophy and it's, you know, still drives us today. Um, So that's kind of where it led me. But all that, you know, circling back, all that led me from my original wounds, you know, with the shortcomings with my dad and all that. And I was just really after just a, you know, an amazing quality of life. And I tried to create a landing space I could in recruiting where other hospitality people like me could come and transition from operations uh, and use their mind, um, and their energies and their efforts differently than the very physical, um, you know, hospitality operations. Yes. Yep. Um, and it allows everyone to, you know, utilize their area of expertise, but do it in a way and, and make money in a different way and, and contribute, you know, to the industry in a different way and impact it that way. So that's, you know, tried to create a spot where hospitality people, sort of my, you know, those are my people were able to, do things outside of the restaurant. So it's all about a quality of life balance. Absolutely. So the, the quality of life balance is around, uh, we want it all. We want an outstanding business, but I want my team to be healthy outside of work too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. The New Hampshire Employment Leadership Awards presented by the New Hampshire Department of Education and Vocational Rehabilitation and the New Hampshire Developmental Disabilities Council celebrate innovation in disability employment within New Hampshire businesses each year. Want to know who's leading the way? Discover this year's five winning businesses in the September issue of Business NH Magazine and join fellow business people on October 12th at the awards ceremony at the Puritan Conference Center in Manchester. Click the link in the episode description to register. Okay, we're back. And as the business and your kids grew, uh, you went to some other areas. It wasn't uh, you stayed in the recruiting lane. So can you talk about at what point you decide, my life is not busy enough. I'm <laughs> I going, need to fill some I time. need to fill up some of that time. So can you talk about some of the different businesses that you have sure. gone into? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I as a, my energy that I I've had as both a blessing and a curse. I think <laughs> who you asked the question of uh, and drive drive everyone crazy a little bit. But um, I'm an ants in the pants kind of guy by nature, and so uh, my first post uh, good in recruiting business was um, mystery shop business, yeah. which I was you guys were talking about this uh, at the outset of the <laughs> of the podcast. And all those experiences that you yeah. notice, and I'm kind of maniacal about all of that. So um, I started a mystery shop business. Are you familiar with what that is? Tell our listeners if maybe okay. they're not. But go ahead. So a mystery shop is when a um, person goes out, sort of undercover, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. or just 
that might be a strong word, but goes out and dines in a restaurant or rents a bicycle or goes to an ice cream shop. Or, I mean, you can measure any experience, no matter if there's ever a, a customer or guest transaction or, or experience, you can measure that. Um, so I was always very passionate about that in operations. So um, really, I started it as kind of a, call it a basement business, where I was only looking for different ways to get recruiting clients, meaning if they didn't want to work with me as a recruiter, I thought if I hustled and earned their trust and respect with a mission, if I could just get in the door yeah. another way sure. and build trust and respect, if they needed a manager or a chef or something like that down the road, they would come to me. But that business also kind of took off, um, surprisingly to me. And, you know, I started growing my client base and we end up doing, you know, thousands and thousands of shops per month all around the country wow. and some foreign countries as well too. Oh, so, wow. um, I ended up selling that company to my son's best friend, who is my second son, uh, <laughs> Kurt, and that company is called 360 Relay now. He started working there when he was 14 or 15. Um, but we were looking to concentrate and focus on some other areas and separate. It was kind of under one roof at that point. So we wanted to separate the recruiting from the mystery shop business, mm -hmm. and, we, and we did that just for internal reasons, really, um, organizational reasons. So that, you know, that was my first business outside of that. Um, I um, And then you decided to get truly back to your restaurant right. roots. And can you talk about buying an iconic brand in Portsmouth and growing it? And why? Right. Uh, so <laughs> the why, yeah. If you like, need a reminder. Right. I like to joke and say because I like pain and chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. But um, yeah, so, you know, when you are brought up in restaurants and hospitality and it's in your DNA and it flows in your blood, um, you love it. And I, I missed um, the team aspect of it and I like the creative side of it a lot. And, you know, my mind is always kind of turning. And um, for me, I. I liked that I was after the day space because um, for me, again, in my recruiting business, you know, I learned that there's a certain shelf life to, you know, the long nights and the weekends when people start, start families and all that. And, and, and it's an incredible business. I'd love to talk about. I mean, I'm a dishwasher, right? So hospitality provides so many opportunities for people. It's limitless. But um, for me, I always knew from my recruiting business, I learned that the challenge of our clients uh, and keeping, and you guys are talking about, you know, sh uh, shortages and mm -hmm. industry shortages and staffing and all that. And those are fairly startling numbers that keep getting worse, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I was thinking if I was able to create a space that was more day hours driven, mm -hmm. I would be able to attract um, the best possible talent um, and people and I was very motivated and driven to have a place where the team had balance in their life. So, you know, we I require my team to work much much less hours, and we do things a little bit differently uh, there. Uh, but long story short, was I really missed the game of, of <laughs> restaurants, and I missed that kind of thing. And I thought um, there wasn't a cool culinary bar driven. Um, culinary driven, doing cool and different things in the brunch space. It was kind of. Um, some of your old school corporate kind of places that were, in my opinion, a little bit boring. Everyone yep. has their place. I, I don't, you know, everybody's good. But for me, I thought it, um, it lacked a little flair and a little coolness uh, to it. And I saw the Friendly Toast. Um, it was for sale. Uh, <clears throat> it was um, interesting. You know, it was definitely an interesting uh, place. It, as creative as it was and artsy as it was and kitschy as it was, it did lack... 
um, behind the scenes professional systems and standards regarding training, human resources, food safety and sanitation, cleanliness, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I could polish it up behind the scenes um, and uh, tighten up the the, the, the organization and, and some of the systems that are required to run a high-level professional restaurant organization. Yeah. If I could, not guest-facing, but behind the scenes, sure. but keep the coolness, Absolutely. the guest-facing coolness and the kitschy cool uh, of the of uh, vibe of the friendly toast that I thought I could you know, um, really have something. And took a lot of time to do that because everyone hated me at first for buying the buying the friendly toast, and they were people hate change, and they thought I was going to yes, ru- they do going <laughs> to ru- ruin it and all that. But you know, to me, I didn't want to have ripped booths or chipped floors or bad restaurant equipment. I thought we could, you know, elevate uh, the the physical plants, yeah, put bars in, make yeah. it a cool menu, and nice. and kind of run with it. So we've been fortunate where, you know, it it, it you know there's. I don't really know of a place in New England. Um, you know, we just opened our 11th location. Um, I don't know of a place Wait in New a England. Your 11th location? Right. In how many years? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah since 2014. <laughs> I didn't know that you had 11 locations. So where are they located now? Yeah, so we just opened um, Harvard Square this weekend. Excellent. Uh, we've got uh, Back Bay in Boston, um, North Andover, Danvers. Um, we have Portsmouth, Portland, Maine. Burlington, Mass, and Burlington, Vermont. Um, wow. Bedford's New Hampshire. Yeah. And I have three more under development currently in Concord, New Hampshire, Nashville, New Hampshire, and oh. Tuscan and Salem. Wow. So that will take us to about 14. But, um, I mean, I know there are a lot of people who are sort of anti-growth, you know, and all that. In my opinion, my philosophy on that uh, for me and my team is that, you know, um, an old saying is that you're either kind of growing on the vine or dying on the vine yeah, and no in between. So I, I am an advocate for, cha- I like to be challenged. I like to challenge my teams. Nice. They love to be challenged. Uh, they want upward movement yeah. um, and, and all that. So, and, we well, gotta, and also, Eric, if you've got something good, right, you might as well grow it and right. share it with more people. That's right. how I see it for that. that. Yeah, that's definitely... Um, you know, we're, we're, we get inundated with requests to come to towns like, hey, I got to have one of these here, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, we've been, you know, really fortunate. I think, you know, if you look around New England, I, I don't see a, you know, quote unquote competitor of the Friendly Toast. No. You know, we're kind of unique. So we have a kind of a good thing going and, um, you know, we hope to continue to grow it. Nice. You know, for I, luck enough. I always say in business that, you know, people don't start a business because they want to do the marketing or the accounting or the, you know, all or wash the floors or this or that. They start one because they're passionate about it. Obviously, that's where your roots are, probably the original owners of Friendly Toast. But things get to a point, especially when they're popular, that you don't have the skill set, you know, potentially to continue to grow it or to be to give it what it needs. And so I think for you to come along and and acquire that it gives it breathes new life into it and then obviously new opportunity for you and and you think in different ways than they did so i think it's fantastic um and it just it speaks a lot to your talents and then also the talents of the folks that started it right because they you wouldn't have bought it if they hadn't started it if it wasn't what it was absolutely interesting absolutely yeah yeah so it's been been a, a good ride so far and 
one of the one of the things I'm really proud of, you guys were talking about the turnover in the industry, mm-hmm. both on the hourly side and the manager side and how challenging it is in the environment. But um, one of the things that it allows us to do, not only offer a great quality of life and balance, which is, you know, at my very core to our management team um, <clears throat> and a big part of our culture um, is that happy balance. I mean, restaurants are hard enough as it is, but if you can have balance and you're not walking in after a 70-hour work week and 3 a.m. in the morning, you didn't see your kid. You know, it creates a better. If you walk into a toast, you kind of feel a bit of a happy vibe. Mm. And it's because it starts, you know, with that kind of approach and our team's happy and balanced. But for us, it allows us the opportunity to offer benefits to our hourly team, which nice. is somewhat unheard of. Yeah. You know, there's some some that do. Uh, I know Alex is very good to his team at the mm-hmm. Common Man. But um, <clears throat> for us, you know, we're able to offer uh, health insurance and 401k and earn time and mm-hmm. vacation time and things that s- servers or cooks or bartenders just yeah. historically have never had. Right. So for me, I think it's noble in a way, um, not to use the company word. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's it's a noble endeavor for us mm. um, to uh, grow and offer these kind of benefits um, to amazing young people who are, you know, hospitality is such a such a cool sp- spot for people to help their young families or, or yeah. go through college or just whatever they're doing. It's you know, very, so very cool. I'm, so, I'm proud of the fact that we're able to you know employ um, with with great benefits and great inclusive culture. Uh, so I think it's a, a cool thing to be able that's to grow. Like a, that's a game changer. That's kind of cutting edge because, yeah. like you said, I mean, a lot of these people are used to the you know tipped wages and and that's it, and they get what they get and they go home and. Then they show up at early the next day and do the same thing. And there's not uh, other than that isn't a lot to it, you know? Yeah, historically, uh, you know, I think it's starting to catch up a little bit, right. you know, post-pandemic. Right. Which um, and, you know, wages are rising, right. which particularly in hospitality, which a lot of people moan and groan about. <laughs> I think it's long overdue. Um, and, and um, well, there is that sea change that has happened in hospitality. The last three years, I, hospitality got hit hard um when restaurants closed a lot of workers didn't come back because all of a sudden they had other opportunities to them and the pandemic was a time that people reassessed life and Mm -hmm. it's a tough industry Mm -hmm. so can you talk about how you've managed to grow your own line of restaurants during this time i mean opening up four new locations um and at the same time how has Goodwin Recruiting been affected by this and how is it helping the industry to get through this next challenge? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, at Goodwin Recruiting, I told our team when all of our clients' businesses were mandated to be closed, you mm-hmm. know, and so a lot of our search assignments and job orders were vanishing. Uh, I told the team, not only uh, are we going to be okay, but we're actually going to grow in the pandemic and we're going to come out of it bigger and better uh, than we've ever been. And the reason for that is our philosophy around those in-person relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're ingrained with your clients and you're part of their organization, um, you don't go away. Right. And I also thought that when people were reevaluating their, their lives um, during the pandemic, uh, many in hospitality, I thought we'd probably be a good attract attraction for some people to come and join us and maybe transition from, operations to recruiting. So we actually grew our team, you know, rather significantly through that. Then it's our job to coach and train and mm-hmm. ha- have them be happy. So, you know, we actually grew 
um, uh, through the pandemic at Good and Recruiting based on our, our core values, you know, and based on our, our approach to doing business um, and our entrenched relationship with clients. Um, on, on the friendly toast side, um, you know, I, 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 as a leader, you know, I, I, I try to study leadership and um, I, I do a lot of things not well. Um, that's why I try to surround myself with good people, but um, and smarter people than I, and why I started GFM and all that. Um, but for me, I, you have to meet the moment, you know, during challenging times. And I was, I, I think during that time, it was an emotional time for a lot of people. Uh, people were scared and nervous and upset and worried and all that. Um, so, so I wanted us to stand up and be counted to our team. So, you know, we, we carried everyone's health insurance through that. And, you know, I talked to everybody and um, assured them that we we're going to be okay and, and fine and that. Um, I always say, like, you know, the, the, the phrase success is paid in advance, right? So if we were doing the right thing and focused with our teams on the right thing and had a really great relationship with the right thing, we were going to keep our team through that. So we were, you know, fortunate um, that we were able to keep our team. Uh, they stayed with us. You know, we communicated well through it. Um, we did the right thing with our team through that. Um, didn't panic. Played, you know, we play the long game in all of our decision making. And, you know, for me, all I do is focus on my team happiness. So it was important that we took care of our team through that. So at the Toast, we were able to, you know, um, continue to thrive through it. Even though there were some, you know, dark hours around that, but at the end of the day, I knew that we would be fine. Nice, nice. Thanks to your uh, your leadership and, and your uh, foresight, I guess, in in treating people the way they should be treated and taking care of your team. Yeah, not just me. Um, you know, my leadership team. My mm -hmm. my vice president of operations, Stacy Pennard, is you know quite a dynamic, caring, compassionate person, and uh, you know that's where we lead. We lead. We lead that way. Right Take on. care of our team. Um, You've got a couple other little uh, little ventures, as it were, going on. Uh, Noble Coffee, Noga Beverages, and Donut Love. Uh, let's talk coffee, donuts, and beverages for a moment here. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about those businesses and um, and your history with those. Sure. Uh, Noble Coffee um, is an amazing uh, company. Um, I know that you guys have done some some features with them. Uh, at at I'm on the. Um, board at the School of Hospitality at UNH, and I'm fortunate enough to be invited to coach the Holloway uh, contest, which is an entrepreneur contest of students who start businesses. Uh, and we sort of act like sharks, you know, when oh, nice. they're presenting. Nice. It starts off with, you know, 30 or 40 groups, gets down to five or six. Oh, cool. Um, and then, you know, they're pitching to you their business, and we're poking holes in it. And um, even, you know, testing it as a potential investment. And uh, Connor, and uh, at that time, um, who started Noble in his dorm room. I'm pretty sure it was beer, not coffee. But, you know, it was a secret. But uh, uh, anyway, you know, uh, he didn't win. But, you know, down the road, uh, Noble was was doing great, but they had limited access to capital, as most you know, early-stage businesses do. Sure. Um, so we kind of got introduced, and um, I thought they were just a great group. And... Um, I told them they had to think, you know, I got to think a little bit bigger, you know, because when I met them, we're in a tiny 300 square foot, you know, we could coffee out of a sink and went to the kegs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now today, you know, Connor and his team, there's a, we have a 32,000 square foot 
uh, plant in Seabrook that pumps, you know, 365, seven days a week. And wow. The business has really grown, and it's a, great, it's a great organization. They do a really good job. And is it it's nitrogen-infused yes. coffee? Yeah. Yes. That, that business is two sides to that business. It's cool. the Noble brand itself, and sure. then also they do, you know, we do canning for uh, a bunch of other brands as oh, well. Oh, so kind excellent. of it's kind of expanded and diversified a little Great. bit there. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm a uh, investor part owner there. Um, yeah. Connor is the driver. And Connor's there. the original, uh, the, the original founder, and he's still there. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's he's still awesome. there. Yeah. So you got that passion, and uh, you're you're providing some other uh, expertise. It's fun for me to. Uh, Watch someone else stress out about certain things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, but no, yeah. That's your, your job, But Connor. you've gone on to invest in other companies, too. Can you talk about what attracted you to Noka and, and yeah. Donut Love? And Noka was similar. One of my high school friends, uh, his son was, is on the Noka team, and he knew I was doing a little investing in startups in New Hampshire and all that. So um, he introduced me. And again, just really bright, young, uh, uh, I say kids, you know, now they're you know, mid twenties, early thirties <laughs> kind of thing. They're yeah. whippersnappers yeah, right. regardless. Come on. But, uh, you know, <laughs> NOCA, you know, which stands for no carbonation, um, is a boozy water. Um, so it fills the non carbonation niche, you know, and beverage world is a crazy mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Uh, ready to it, drink. It, yeah. Can't. Ready to drink for people who don't want all the bubbles and the carbonation. Um, mm-hmm. so it's a cool option out there. And again, another company, and there's some really great investors. There's a lot of the top New Hampshire, I call them the top New Hampshire uh, business people are invested in that company. Cool. Um, and, you know, they've had a you know, few rounds of fundraising and they fill those rounds very quickly and very easily. And they're growing. Excellent. They're in multiple states. They're in Kroger's and they're in grocery stores and they're really, really moving fast. So very a couple cool. of the small, we uh, invested in a, um, a company called Torch Pro, which is a non-hospitality sector. It's a media company. You know, it's for uh, athletes. Uh, the, both, are you familiar with us? Yeah. We're smiling because uh, on our big recording day, the uh, individual prior to you was Travis, Travis York. York. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, okay. Who told us all about that. Yeah. And for our listeners, it'll be in a previous episode. But uh, yeah, there you go. Sure. Cool. Well, cool. I'll let that stand alone. But, um, you know, we believe in, you know, for me, when you're when you're helping younger companies, you're really investing in the person you mm. know, or the people, right? And, and certainly the idea, but, um, you know, just a great group of people. Um, I believe in that mission, and, and I'm sure he told you all about it, but, uh, you know, it's a great organization. That and another UNH-driven uh, company called SideGuide, which is a, a techie. He's out in Silicon Valley now. Oh, nice. Driving that business way above my head. I just think he's a sm- cool, smart guy, so, nice. and they're doing pretty good out there. So. Nice. That's, yeah, and, and, then, d- and donut love. Yeah, <laughs> leaving the best for last yeah, or right, what? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I love donuts. And, uh, uh, well, my son, yeah. my son loves donuts. <laughs> you are so, not alone in that, yeah. right? So my son Tyler. Yes, but most of us just buy a dozen donuts. <laughs> right. We don't invest <laughs> in a donut <laughs> right. company. Yeah, you can't hang around with me too I long. I bought two dozen donuts <laughs> once. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I was asking myself that same question: Why you can still love them, but not buy uh, <laughs> business? But but why not? Right. So I've always loved donuts. It's always been a weakness of mine. Um, and I heard the story of Donut Love, where um, uh, Mike uh, and his wife uh, started the donut shop based on an old family recipe. His mom died of cancer. He thought he was fulfilling her dream by opening um, Donut Love nice. with the name Love. And nice. so her. Um, and then, you know, he, being a former police officer, he was not a 
restaurant food person mm-hmm. and you know he had other things to do and and all of that so they were looking for someone to you know it was time for them to go back to you know and they had young kids too and they were looking to um you know move out of that space and we heard the story i thought it was a cool story i love donuts so uh <laughs> my son who runs good and family management and i um you know dove right in and and uh, bought donut love so now, and been, where is donut love located uh, Exeter and Northampton. Excellent. Um, right now, Exeter is actually we closed them, closed Northampton, and, and um, redid it, redid it all, oh, uh, nice. rebranded it all, and yep. uh, uh, put a beautiful little space in there. And then Exeter, we closed as well, and um, have redone that entire space. Oh wow! Um, you know, to make it really cool uh, and all that, and that's opening in the first week of August. So. Nice. We're sort of rebrand, rebranding it all, and uh, you know, all new equipment, all new uh, you know guest retail space, and yeah. and all that. So you know, hopefully, we'll you know be able to grow that too in the future. Right on, excellent, wow, uh, yeah. So you got a few things going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you know, we, one of the things that we've talked about is change, and change is never easy, even if it's good change. So when you are, you know, acquire things like donut love, or you take the friendly toast, there may inevitably be some backlash against the loyal patrons and who are like, what are you doing to what, what we have? How do you deal with that and try to win over perhaps the, those patrons that have been there a long time while evolving the company to attract new customers as well? Right. It's a great question. Um, I was kind of worried about it early on. I was probably a little overly sensitive to it in Portsmouth originally mm-hmm. um, with a friendly toast. But after a while, I realized just people, even if it's good change, people are really, really afraid of it. Um, I like to tell a brief, a brief story where, you know, as we were, I closed it down to re- put a bar in and put new booths, new floor, new equipment, just, you know, tidy it up and mm-hmm. all that. Um, and the doors were open, and people kept coming. Ah, I can't believe you're changing it. And it's, all the social media stuff was like, "Oh, he's going to change it," and you know, terrible guy, and all that. And I was like, "Wow, I'm surprised because it really needs to be updated and changed. Right? It needs some improvement um, and all that." And then I was hearing this nonstop, and the the door. I left the doors open, you know, during the renovations, and customers and guests were coming in and checking it out, and. Um, one lady said to me, um, she's like, I can't believe you're changing this place. And I said, I was just like, kind of had it that day. You know what I mean? And I said, I just want to be sure I'm on the same page with you. So do you want to sit in torn booths? Do you want chipped floors? Do you want non-safe food stored in non-safe refrigeration? And she hesitated, looked at me and said, Yes, I do. Oh <laughs> like, my god! Well, yeah, you're not so ever going to win. Her I felt over. good that I cha- finally spoke up and kind of <laughs> challenged. But on the other hand, I realized, well, there you go. So yeah. then I said to us, "I'm sorry, you're probably not the right guest for us." And you know, maybe it can win you back. But in Portsmouth, originally at the Friendly Toast, my sole focus there was to win the confidence back of the locals. That mm-hmm. was number one. Um, mm. And it had sort of degraded a little bit there uh, because the, the, it had some closures with some food safety issues. It was forced, mandated to be closed by the health department before I uh, bought it, my partner and I. And um, so I realized that it was a tarnished reputation. So all I wanted to do was just deliver on on our ex- guest experience. I'm mm. maniacal, maniacal about that. Um, 
And I, I realize over time, if you just have conviction in what you believe is right, you know what I mean? And the team wants to be led with some vision. The team wants the right tools and resources and support to do their job, right? right? I mean, that, that right. helps. For some, you know, it wasn't right for them. For some, it's like, oh, like, you know, thank God you're here, you know, that kind of thing. So I just realized with conviction and perseverance, determination by doing the right thing and just focus really one guest at a time, one table at a time, win that, win that table, win that hour, win that day. And then eventually the momentum starts to go your way. And that's, you know, it took a while to do that, but there are, to this day, still, someone will say, I said I would never go back to the family toast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but I go all the time As now. they're sitting eating, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I just think it's, you know, for me, you know, I'm a kind of a determined guy. So, um, you know, I kind of stick to it. And we just stuck to it, stuck to our guns. And, you know, ultimately, uh, it worked out. So, fortunate. Nice. Well, we uh, we know you you kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag a little bit earlier with your additional uh, locations for Friendly Toast. But um, anything else that you can talk about for the future of Goodwin Family Management and everything you're involved in, anything you're looking forward to that you can talk about? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Goodwin Family Management, um, as you alluded to, um, is our shared uh, business office. Uh, accounting, finance, um, human resources, nice. marketing team. And that's run by my son, Tyler, um, who has been called a smarter, more polished version of I, <laughs> I so, uh, which is true. I think that's a compliment. Uh, good job as a, as a father. But yeah, um, nice. anyway, you know, he's a smart guy. And, you know, that team and our CFO was there and, and our controller and director of human resources. And that team really focuses on all the things I don't want to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're sophisticated, smart, you know, business people. Um, and running that side of the business, for me, um, I, I like to create and I like mm. to be with my teams, set goals and expectations and, you know, our brand standards and core values and that side. You know, the insurance and finance and that side of it, you know, um, and the investment side of it, they're, they're, they're focused on our opportunities and, you know, we're, you know, buying some real estate and things along those lines. So they're nice. kind of running that as sort of an investment type business office and do a really good job. So our eyes are open, you know, for things we, we, you know, we've bitten off a lot here. Um, yeah. we get a lot of opportunities now. People are coming to us continually about certain things. So we just try to be discerning and have some discipline and, uh, you know, what we, what we invest in and, and all that. But, you know, that's, that, uh. That that organization and that group really speaks to hiring people that are smarter than me, <laughs> you know, doing doing really great work. So I love it. I'm fortunate. I love it. Um, thank you uh, for being with us and sharing everything about uh, your your story and how you came to uh, where you are today. And uh, thanks for for building on everything that you have uh, put your hands in, Eric Goodwin. It's been a pleasure to have you and learn a bit more about you and uh, and be with you in time. So thanks so much. And uh, it's been great. Yeah, grateful uh, to be here. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group. <laughs>